0: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB, Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Joining us now with more from the White House is Council of Economic Advisers Chair Jared Bernstein. Chair Bernstein, thanks very much for joining us on Bloomberg. As always, if you look at the data, the labor market, at least on the surface, looks quite strong. But how much longer can this kind of jobs growth and this low unemployment be sustained?
1: Well, we've certainly seen the uh, growth of payroll employment uh, decelerate over the years as the economy has transitioned from the breakneck growth pace that prevailed coming out of the pandemic-induced recession to uh, the kinds of more steady growth we're seeing now. So, if you go back to 21, the average monthly job gain was about 600,000 per month. 22, it was about 400,000. This year, and we know this now as of this morning's data, 225,000. month. That's a a solid number. It's actually above the break-even number you'd need to keep unemployment low. And in fact, as you say, unemployment has been low. 3.7 in December, 3.6 percent on average for the year, both in 23 and 22. What's, I think, really interesting, I suspect we'll get into this, is the extent to which we've seen so much disinflation uh, alongside that low unemployment rate. That isn't what a lot of economists were expecting uh, if you go back a year or so.
0: I will return to the issue of inflation, Jared, but first I want to ask you about maybe one of the more troubling aspects of this report, which is labor force participation dropped to 62 percent, the lowest level since February of last year, and prime age women also fell to the lowest level in 11 months. How much of that should be blamed on the fact that we have now gone over the so-called child care cliff?
1: I don't think the child care cliff is uh, probably correctly associated with one month's result uh, from the uh, from these household data. They're very noisy data. We always try to smooth things out over a few months. It doesn't mean I would dismiss any of those uh, numbers from the report. You already heard me cite the unemployment rate. It just means that we want to look over longer-term trends before we make any conclusions. When it comes to child care, though, look, there is no question that this president believes it's something critically important unfinished business is uh, precisely in this area of making child care more affordable. There's no doubt in my mind, in fact, there's solid research supporting this, that that would support uh, the labor supply of caretakers who are disproportionately uh, women, of course. Over the course of the year, though, we've seen solid labor force participation, particularly from prime age workers. And I think that's uh, uh, something that uh, has helped us uh, uh, on the inflation side as well.
0: Okay, so let's talk about how the inflation and labor sides of the equation work together here, Jared. Is it more optimal for the U.S. economy, or more specifically for the American voter, for the labor market to stay this tight and strong, but that mean that interest rates stay higher for potentially a longer period of time, or for us to see a more material weakening in the labor market, but that comes with lower borrowing
1: costs? Well, I think the labor market is behind uh, a a very positive uh, momentum uh, that's prevailed now for quite a while. Basically, the combination of uh, a persistently tight labor market easing inflation, and of course, uh, that easement has been um, quantitatively quite large, has led to uh, real wage gains. That is, wages have been beating prices for mid-wage workers, the 81% of the uh, of the payroll uh, workers that are uh, production workers that are blue-collar or non-managers in services, uh, their pay has been beating inflation on a year-over-year basis for nine months in a row. I can't say 10 because we don't have inflation for December yet, but we know their wages grew north of 4 percent in December, and uh, I'm confident they'll beat inflation then. So that'll be 10 months in a row. That helps support consumer spending. We have a 70 percent consumer spending economy. It is a perpetual motion machine that has helped this economy move forward uh, into the transition that uh, you and I have discussed towards more steady, stable growth.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about Jared Uh, inflation, though, because you've raised it a few times. And and this data comes amid a week where we have seen what many feel is an escalation or at least ramped up tensions in the Middle East that have resulted in disruptions to trade from the Red Sea, now potentially adding to times, higher freight rates, potentially higher energy prices. How much inflation risk do you see in what's happening in the Middle East or more specifically the Red Sea right now?
1: Well, uh, before I get to that, let's look a little bit at uh, where inflation uh, was and where it is. So look, uh, let's in fact start with gas prices, which are very relevant to your question. Go back to mid-June of, uh, 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 of 2022, and the gas price was north of $5 a gallon. When I woke up this morning, the national gas price was $3.09, so uh, almost a $2 uh, decline per gallon in the gas price. There are 30 states with a gas price below $3 right now. That is very much helping in terms of giving families some breathing room at the level of mm. uh, of households, but also, of course, helping to support those macro dynamics I just uh, reflected with a strong labor market supporting consumer spending. Now, look, when it comes to uh, the Red Sea, we're obviously working with a coalition uh, to try to keep those supply chains open for commerce, and that's a, a different discussion uh, with, uh, with our security folks. From my perspective, thus far, thus far, the impact on energy prices has uh, Has been uh, quite mild. Uh, It's something that we're going to continue to watch very closely. Uh, But those energy numbers I just described to you, uh, WTI, you know, somewhere in the 73 range, I believe, today uh, still uh, don't see a a, a ton of impact from that at this point. But but obviously on our watch list.
0: Finally, Jared, I only have about 30 seconds for this answer. I apologize. But I know you at the White House like to tell gas prices. Why not play up the stock market a little bit more?
1: Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, um, the uh, you know the fact is that. Uh uh, most of the bottom half of the income scale doesn't really own uh, stock or doesn't own much at all. Uh, but for people uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the upper half with uh, portfolios, particularly uh, with retirement earnings, uh, it's definitely a positive trend. I think one of the things that we're very mindful of here is to not get too hung up in the bips and bops of daily uh, uh, stock market <laughs> returns. So, you know, that's important to us. We, we tend to focus on, on the paycheck and some of the more steady uh, you know variables that you and I have talked about about. But uh, yeah, that's in okay. the mix. It's one, of the re- it's one of the reasons why, you know, net worth, uh, net worth, net wealth has been a, a solid performer for us uh, in the last true. year or so. Yeah.
0: All right. Got to leave it there. Jared Bernstein of the Council of Economic Advisors. Thank you so much. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state